The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. It's sex out loud. And you're welcome to listen in. Passion on CJAD 800. Coming up on the program, uh, Maître Linda Hammerschmidt will answer your family law questions. So whether you are separating, divorcing, whether there are child custody issues, anything of the sort, she is here to help you out and uh, and give you some advice. You can start sending your questions in at 514-800 for Maître Linda Hammerschmidt. But first... Time to check out our inbox. Your texts are always welcome. Connect with Passion at 514-800. First, let me answer some of your questions about sex, love, and relationships. And remember that you can always email me throughout the week to lori at drlaurie.com. This one by email. Hi there. So it is talked about all the time for some reason, circumcision. Most women always talk bad about dicks that are not circumcised, saying how they are disgusting and gross, along with how they, uh, quote, would never even touch one. I'm not circumcised, and the only time I ever have an issue is when I get tied up with work and just don't have time to shower for a few days. Other than that, my penis is clean, and what they say doesn't apply to me. Now, am I just keeping up with good hygiene, or are these girls just spreading rumors? I see it a lot even in movies. Also, I've been told that you're more likely to get an STD if you're not circumcised. Uh, Is that also true or no? So first things first, I don't know who the most women are that you're actually referring to. I don't think that that is true of most women, but hey, we can do a little uh, poll here from our, our female passion listeners and see what they think. Uh, in When a, a penis is erect, whether it's circumcised or uncircumcised, it looks they look very, very similar. So an uncircumcised penis, once erect, the skin stretches out, the, the, the foreskin that's there stretches out. Uh, some men have a little, a little more, some a little less. Uh, but generally speaking, they look more or less um, the same. When you're talking about the risk for sexually transmitted infection, unfortunately, that is in fact the case. There is research done that shows that uncircumcised men have higher rates of HIV, they have higher rates of uh, herpes, and higher rates of HPV, uh, the human papilloma, uh, papillomavirus. Why is this? Because of the moist environment between the head of the penis and the foreskin, which that's where viruses find a nice home to grow in, basically. So this is why uncircumcised men might be more likely to transmit infections uh, to a partner. So really the key to reducing STIs, of course, is uh, to use a condom. Circumcised, not circumcised, but um, using a condom is a, is a must. 514-800 if you have any questions for me about sex, love, relationships. And coming up, uh, Maître Linda Hammerschmidt will answer your legal questions that have to do with family law. So anything going on in your family, you can send them along uh, right here, right now. But don't wait till the end of the show because then we run out of time and you don't get your questions answered and then they sit in my you know, in my folder for a month. So you, you don't want that happening. So make sure you get your questions in. All right, here's a question that came in. What are the limits 
when engaging in sexual activity with someone we know for too long. So I'm not quite sure what you're referring to here, to tell you the truth. I don't know if you mean um, engaging in sexual activity with someone who's been a friend for a long time and then it becomes a sexual relationship, or are you talking about a relationship that's in a long term, that that's long term, like what are the limits? So when, when I hear the word limits, I think of boundaries, like I'm going to assume you're talking about what are the, the, the sexual boundaries in long term, uh, relationships, I guess, uh, unless it's different and you're listening, then, then you might, uh, let me know. So in a long-term relationship, boundaries can change what you were willing to do, you know, 20 years before, uh, maybe you don't want to do anymore, or maybe you've got new things you want to try. So uh, this can change, but what we need is good sexual communication to be able to look at, Hey, what are our needs? What do we want to explore together? What are our no-go zones? Uh, what are our maybes? So these can, this requires obviously communications and, and, and there's no, the limits are the ones that you and your partner set out. So nobody can tell you, as long as it's consensual, safe, and legal, uh, nobody's going to tell you what, what you can and can't do or what's right or what's wrong or, or what's normal, what's not, because it, it all fits if it's, if it's again, consensual and, and legal and safe, not hurting anybody, then uh, anything, anything goes really. It's between the two of you. So you've got to figure that out. Uh, to the circumcised, circumcised or uncircumcised penis, uh, this texture writes, a non-circumcised penis that has not been cleaned for a few days is disgustingly smelly. How do you expect a woman to give you oral sex? I don't think he didn't say that that's what he expected. I think he was talking about, uh, he said in general he's clean, uh, but because of his work schedule, he might go a few days without showering. I don't think he'd expect anybody to go down on him after before he's even showered. So let's just put that out there. Um, he was talking in general, what do women think? Like he's just, he. The, I almost got the sense there's a, a shameful feeling about being circumcised or uncircumcised rather, and that women have like a bias against it and that that they have these negative feelings towards it but and saying that most women do so i don't know about most women i i have not uh i've not heard that really a texture writes uncircumcised men have a putrid rotten fish odor if they're not keeping it clean uh, otherwise when clean there's no difference in my opinion and this is from a female listener again very very important hey a woman who doesn't uh, shower for a few days or doesn't wash her private parts or whatever is going to be smelly too. Well, let's be real. The hygiene, good hygiene is good hygiene uh, regardless. So, uh, you know, we urinate multiple times a day. I mean, I don't want to get graphic and, you know, make you nauseous, but those are the realities. I would love to hear some of your thoughts. If if I don't get to them now, I'll get to them towards the end of the program. Even if you um, if you have questions that are uh, sex-related, I don't mind answering them at the end of the program as well. 
this texture writes, women don't care about circumcised or uncircumcised. It's just a stupid thing women like, they like to say. Just be clean. That's all. So I think that should comfort you. Uh, this comes from a woman. So, so far, we, the, you know, the women listening here certainly don't think the way that uh, you think most women think. Um, another text writes, men who don't shower for a few days has more to worry about than his penis. Ugh. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, you know, you could smell everywhere, but again, you want all the places that stay moist and that, that don't get air are the parts that are going to be the smelliest. Let's face it. Right. Uh, coming up, Maître Linda Hammerschmidt answers your question. Uh, questions. One of them will be, uh, the first one coming up will be about moving out of the house. Is this considered abandonment? Like what happens when you decide you want to leave your partner and you want them to leave the house or should you leave the house? Like sometimes it's like, what do we do with, like before the house gets sold, for example? So that's the question that will be answered first by Maître Linda Hammerschmidt. We strip away the stigmas every night. With passion on CJAD 800. Always excited to have Metalinda Hammerschmidt in studio with us because it's always a dynamic conversation and never quite know where it's going to go. <laughs> Do your is your headset working? Can you hear anything? One ear is fine. One ear, well, you, you only need one ear. Uh, if you have questions for Metalinda Hammerschmidt, she's a family law attorney. And uh, she's here to answer your questions. 514-800. If you uh, want to text in your questions, of course, you can always call in. Let's go right to the phone lines then. But uh, you're going to need to put on that headset, my dear. You, can you hear now? Excellent. Oh, oh, did we just lose Karen? Oh, my phone lines are all messed up. What just happened? All right, you got Karen for us? Okay, great. Uh, hi, Karen. I'm here. Hi, hi. Hi. How are you? Um, I'm looking for a place. It's really, oh my God, it's it's just terrifying how hard it is, how expensive it is, and what, what do you, you mean to find a place to move to? Oh, what's your? You have a legal question. What what's the question? Well, my legal question is in case I don't, because of uh, you know how expensive and and how how few places there are. There's only a 1.9 vacancy rate. Huh. Um, well, um, in, in uh, 2016, um, both my parents were gone by then, and my brother and I are both heirs of their house, but he's been living there. Okay. And I was just wondering, you know, if I don't find a place, can I go move there too? He was the executor and the, had power attorney previously. But you both the, own the house? Yeah, well, we're both heirs, yes. And in 2016, the house hasn't been transferred to anybody? No, yet? it's still in my parents' name because my brother said he... He was going to um, uh, sell it, and now he wants to buy Well, first out. of all, he can't sell it without your consent. Well, he, he told me he was – first he just told me he was going to sell it and whatever, and then, and then in the same week he told me he was going to keep it and, and pay me in installments, and I was a bit surprised because he had had made major heart surgery, and it's like, well, well – Yes, I think you can live there, too, and if he doesn't like it, well, then you'll both probably end up having to move out. But the only way that place can be sold is uh, if you both agree on it, or otherwise one of you has to take the other one to court. 
Okay. Because you're not forced, nobody is forced to live in what we call in division, which means that the property belongs to the both of you equally, and neither of you have to stay with the other one as a co-owner. But if you can't agree on how to get out from under each other, uh, then the only recourse is to take an action in partition of the of the co-ownership. All right. Okay. Well, good luck. Good luck to you. And meanwhile, by the way, you're not getting any value from this house because your half is tied up and he's not paying rent, I would imagine, correct? I don't know. Well, no. You're either going to get a check for rent. You're the other person that should be getting the rent. Well, it it should go to the estate, not me. It's not wound up yet? Nothing. 2019. No, you, because- you might want to think about having him removed as executor too, because if he's not doing anything, any why would he have any hurry? That's right. <laughs> he's not paying anything, and he's not going anywhere. No, and he's not a good brother. So you got to push it. Okay. All right, Karen. Good luck to good you. Good luck. Bye bye. Five one four eight hundred. That that sort of brings me to an interesting sure. point. Um, you know, when people have uh, co ownership in a house, married people are getting divorced, or in this particular case, uh, there is a possibility, and of course, it depends on whether somebody's already been awarded. Uh, uh, re- well, use of the house pending proceedings, but uh, the person who is not able to use their share asset, mm-hmm. shall we say, can claim a locket of value for it, uh, either by proving through a real estate agent or an evaluator uh, that this property could theoretically be rented for, let's say, $3,000 right. a month. And obviously half of that is to one party and the other half is to the person who's yeah. not living there. And uh, there have been judgments giving that and usually ducting it off of something that the party would have gotten in the divorce in any event. Right. Down okay. The well, road. that makes sense. Yeah. That makes so, sense. But the same thing for her. But the longer she lets him stay there. Yeah. The longer she... he'll be a squatter. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> All right, here's a question for you, Linda. I've just moved into a condo with my companion dog with a letter from my psychiatrist. The building's original declaration of co-ownership allowed dogs and was then amended to disallow dogs. Can my right to have my dog be challenged? Anything in life can be challenged. (laughs) That's a good point. But uh, if your therapist or doctor is able to back you that you need this and you're already living there, if I understood correctly. She just bought it or she's Uh, already there? she, She says, I have just moved into a condo. Okay, but normally speaking, they would have, I don't know, passed through some sort of an evaluation. You would have filled out, I don't know, a questionnaire. I don't know that. If, I don't hopefully think it, you didn't say you didn't have a dog. Right. Yeah. Right. So if if you said you didn't have a dog. Well, then that would be lying and that would be a problem. But if she did have a dog, said she had a dog, uh, wrote down somewhere that she had a dog, the people knew that she had a dog when she moved in and... Right, you know. Right, then that's then then that's challenged. a leg up, shall we say? Plus the prescription to have a, a therapy pet, right? Uh, obviously, will help. And uh, right. but you know, you never know down the road. Unfortunately, what somebody's going to rule. Yeah, that's true. Although there are more and more people with therapy animals, so it's uh, you know it's. Like anything, you know, people didn't believe in fingerprints at one point in time, and they didn't believe in DNA, and now they don't believe in whatever until it becomes the standard norm. Right. And then, what do you mean? Yeah, we didn't think that. Right. People don't remember what it's like before post-its. I mean, you know. 
<laughs> right, or before the internet. Uh, this, Post-its are before the internet. Yeah, exactly. So uh, this person wrote in for the, the caller, for Karen, shouldn't she add a clause if she sells her share so that so that if he cannot pay her to be given back a portion of the house? Well, first of all, I wouldn't accept installments, and she already said he was ah, a bad brother. Okay. So either you get a mortgage and you pay me up, or we sell the property and right. we split the proceeds. Point final. That's it, because don't play around I with I think some... she's being too nice. Well, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I just hate that in clients. They're too nice, you know, but th- that happens. Well, this is why they hire... You. Well, it's funny, too, because some people, you know, oh, I can't do that. Even even in, you know, and often in abuse cases and, you know, well, I don't really want to. Yeah, but you'd prefer to be, you know, beaten up. So you have to stand up for yourself. And well, that's why they they need you around. And you, because they need to be in therapy to get the courage to make the decision to come and see me. That, too. Yes. Or whoever. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, this texture writes, I think this some, somebody, this person wrote before, what does it mean when your lawyer says that he sent my divorce agreement and waiting for judgment four months ago? Yeah, because last month this person sent it in and it was three months ago, uh, four months ago and we signed the divorce agreement. Is my lawyer delaying? It was very simple, amicable. Is it normal? So is a four months waiting okay. period first, normal? First of all, when when the person says they signed, I'm assuming they meant they signed the consent. Well, no, the lawyer sa- says that he sent my divorce agreement and waiting for judgment. Sent the divorce agreement. Where? Okay. <laughs> One question. And two, if it was just signed, it and unless they went to court that on that day they were there anyway and a judge was kind enough to pronounce viva voce the divorce uh, that day, uh, then paperwork has to be filed, affidavits of each party, uh, may have to make sure the exhibits are there because, for example, you don't have the marriage certificate filed in the record, you're not going to get a divorce because they don't know you were married. So you mm. have to prove these kind of things. So uh, the best uh, recourse for this person, uh, instead of just asking the lawyer what's going on, is you could always trot down to the courthouse with your court file number and go to the master of the role and ask them, what's the status of your file? Okay. That's simple enough. Go yeah. And it'll be a lot cheaper than making the phone and, call. And they can print out a what's called a plumatif, which is uh, the list of everything that's been going on in your file. Oh. Not numbered. One, two, three, four, five, six since it started. Okay. And if you don't see something like... Uh, uh, you know, inscription for hearing and affidavits for judgment and referred to the gref for proof and judgment, whatever, then there's a problem. <laughs> okay. So they can do the legwork yeah. first. And, but and it I- is possible that you can file all of this stuff and it still take a couple of months. So I'm not putting any blame on the lawyer, but, but it gets to the point where if we hear this question next month, <laughs> <laughs> we'll know something seriously wrong. Well, a couple of months is not four months. Like that's the thing. Yes, but you can. You, it can be one month, like it can be six months. You know, ah, it gets okay. stuck in the bowels of justice, depending on the holiday schedule. Just at how Quite. Easter and uh, Passover, and then it's you know Christmas, it's summer. Everybody's half time at the courthouse. Right. On and on and on. But I like the idea of taking it into your own hands. Well, yeah, so because that's the best of, way to do it if you're not uh, getting satisfactory answers. And the cheapest way, it would seem. That way, you don't you're not paying the legal calls or and phone, emails and or phone whatever. And directly ask the secretary of the lawyer what's going on. 
Okay, that, that would be cheaper. Answer. <laughs> it might get a faster answer, too. So number one, call the secretary of the lawyer. Yeah. Ask her the question or him the question. Number two, if you don't get your answers, go straight to the courthouse, to the office of the, what's it called? The, the office of the graph, the clerk. The clerk. the clerk. So go to the clerk's office, and there you'll have it. And, and I would also helpful. put an email or a letter in formally to the law office to say, I want an answer this week as to what exactly the status is and how long it will take. Okay. And then once because that week people, is Because people, like I say every time, verbally, he said this, she said that. What proof do you have? Well, it was verbal. Well, that's lovely. Right. Okay, no, that makes perfect sense. Have it in writing. Uh, 514-800, if you want to text in any questions you have for Maître Linda Hammerschmidt, she joins us uh, the last Thursday of every month to uh, to help you out with uh, anything legal that has to do with family law, if you're divorcing or separating or child support issues and child custody issues. You can also call us at 514-790-0800. Uh, you, uh, you've got till uh, the end of the show, so get them in, but get them in quick so we get to your questions, all right? Uh, coming up, we'll, uh, I do want to answer one question, and it is about leaving the home. Um, how, how does that exactly work? I know I see a lot of clients who want a divorce, but they don't know, should they leave the house? Does this imply something, not something? So Meta Linda will answer that. But first, let's check in with our CJD 800 newsroom. The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. This is Passion with Dr. Lori Batito on CJAD 800. Tonight, Maître Linda Hammerschmidt answers your uh, legal questions, your family law questions. All right, here's one for you, Maître Linda. Is there anything wrong with moving out of the home during a pending divorce? Will that be abandonment? So, I, you see, I, I see no, this quite a bit. Nobody cares about abandonment. Okay, so that's not about that. Okay, but I've I've seen this situation play out in in my office where somebody will come in and say, "Look, I want to I want to divorce my spouse. I really don't want to be there anymore, but I'm scared to leave the house. What is that? What will that imply if I leave the house and I leave her or him with the children, or I take the like? It just well, there's a lot of different uh, elements into that question. Uh, if you have children, then I always recommend not leaving the house until proceedings are taken. And something is sorted out, either uh, a consent or a court order. And uh, if you're a co-owner of the house, again, like for the other questions, mm -hmm. uh, you don't want to leave your major asset and then have to pay for something. And But what if you can't stand living there with your, your spouse at that point? Well, you know, How long is that going to take? you figure that out before you got married. But yeah, anyway, know. you know, it's easier said than done. Yes. Y you know, you can't rush in to major decisions like that right. just because Agreed. all of a sudden you can't stand the guy's underwear uh, on the floor or well, whatever. It's usually no, but, much worse than that, yeah, but, but by you the know time what they I mean. make that decision... You know, you, you have to plan your thing out and bit strategy and figure right. out what's going on. You can't just rush out the door and hope things are going to settle properly. You right. got to get organized. You got to maybe make photocopies of documents that you're, you walk out that door and the locks get changed. You're not getting back in. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You have to think about that because often people leave very angrily and say, oh, fine, I'm leaving you. And then they pack a bag and, you know, they, they leave the house kind of thing and without thinking, thinking oh, yeah. the whole thing through. So 
You're right. I and think it it's, uh, can cost a lot of money to try to get your winter coat or your snow tires back. Jeez. And, yes, and I knew someone. I've cost seen her. that. I've seen that too. I've seen that too. And I was like, uh, go get new ones. Like it's costing you more to fight for your damn winter tires than buying a new set. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it can but get a little crazy. people in the throes of this don't rationalize that way. That's right. And it's not a rational time. Unfortunately, it's a very emotional time. Yeah. So because Which it's Which is emotions, the worst time to make decisions. Exactly. You are so right. Uh, Victoria's on the line. Hi, Victoria. Hi there. Hi, Dr. Laurie and Maître Linda. Thank you for the uh, informative show. Thank you. Pleasure. My brother and I had a power of attorney after my father died in 1990. Now I have found out that he had acquired the power of attorney. My mother is suffering of mental illness that is for a long, long time, and she's still alive. My question is, do I have to do anything legal while my, uh, while my mother is still alive? Well, what do you mean do anything? Do anything? You know, like, what do you mean? Like a... a you know, be part of the power of attorney like like before. I didn't know that he had the power of attorney. I learned it from uh, someone. And the power of attorney that your brother has, I thought you said was for your father? After my father died, you know, uh, we had uh, the, the notary told us, uh, we agreed to be, both of us to be, uh, to have a power of attorney of my mom. Okay. And yeah. so you got it too? Yes, at the same time. Now, my brother, uh, in a sneaky way, he got it only for himself. Well, only your mother can cancel the power of attorney. Mm -hmm. The problem is, Metrelinda, my mother has been suffering from mental illness. So are you saying that he got her to sign something while she was mentally incompetent? Exactly. Well, then you would have to go and challenge that in a courtroom. You mean I have to do it now while my mom is alive? Well, yeah, if you don't want your brother to, I don't know, steal all her money, steal all your inheritance. I don't know what's happening, but if he's the only one that has a... Do you still have the document that says you have power of attorney? Yes, I have the documents. He just went and changed it. No, but you still have a document that says if you took it into the bank... Oh, yes. And it says, you know, uh, Maria has power of attorney yes. over Antoinetta. Uh, that's what it would say? It would say that both of us have the power of attorney. Okay, so, you know, you could go in right now and... Go to the bank? Yeah, in your mother's bank account. Or go to the bank. You could do that if oh. you actually have a power of attorney. Otherwise, if your brother has somehow done something to have your mother either forge her signature or con her into signing something so that yours was revoked and he's the only one, you would have to fight that and get a judgment in court. Oh, I see. Yeah. So where do I have to go now, for example? To a lawyer. You would have to see a lawyer. Okay. okay. But but first of all, you might want to go back to the notary who did the power of attorney he and find died. and find out he died? Yes. Yeah, but his files are somewhere and find out if anything okay. was changed there first. Oh, yeah, find out that your brother's actually saying that or that what the rumor you heard is actually true. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much. All right, right. Victoria. Good luck to you. Bye-bye. Good night. Um, Here's a question for you at 514-800. How do they calculate child support? What is the maximum for two children? 
There is no maximum. There is a child support determination form that has to be completed by the parents. You fill in the income of both parents, and then a computer program spits out what the basic uh, support would be and who owes it. And then if there are special expenses like camp or braces mm-hmm. or eyeglasses or thing, piano lessons, etc., that goes into another section of this form. And then depending on uh, the percentage, proportional percentage of the total income that each parent has, that is the amount. For example, if the husband has 80% of the total income and the wife has 20, and uh, it's $10,000 worth of special expenses, the husband would have to pay 80% of that. Right. And the mother would, you know, and doesn't mean she has to pay it. It means that if she's the one that has the children, then he'll pay her the 80% and then she'll have to make up the other 20, you know, out of her own pocket or whatever. Okay. But but there is no maximum. Obviously the wealthier that people are, the more that somebody can claim in addition because the standard of lifestyle is higher, but the basic is is as I said set on, <laughs> on what uh, you on actually income. earn and the problem can become if you don't dealing with somebody who's just a salaried employee to prove what the real income is of the parties. Right. Based on lifestyle by by what they actually uh, spend as opposed to what they say they take they, in. You know, right. you see a lot of people who are uh, self-employed people who put $35,000 as their revenue in their tax returns, but they're spending $150,000 right. on all the expenses of the house and the car and the vacations and the whatever. So unless you're printing it in the basement, <clears throat> you're earning more money than you're saying. So basically you can prove that. Like you can ask, you can sh- demonstrate that. You, you can you try, can absolutely, right. but it's not necessarily that easy. Okay. What makes it very Well, difficult? first of all, you have to be able to figure out how the person is, is, is where that money is coming from, who to send subpoenas to, cross-examine them, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And normally when you're talking about that kind of a level, then you're going to be wanting to get a uh, uh, an expert uh, to value the what we call the notional income, which is what a judge can impute to the party who's living the $150,000 of expenses on the $35,000 salary. And the judge goes, hey, 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 wait a minute. No, no, no. Yeah. I'm clocking you at 150. Right. So it's, it's like Whether, an audit. It's like a, a, an audit. Like you'd in, order in a like sense, an, it's not an audit, audit by the, the government. You're not going to get penalties and interest, but you're going to have to pay more than what you think you're going to have to pay on $35,000. All right. We still have some time. Maître Linda Hammerschmidt is here to answer your questions. I can answer some of your sex and relationship questions towards the end of the program as well. Coming up, we'll answer this questions. Piano lessons, necessity or luxury to pay for? That's next. Turn us on and the satisfaction's guaranteed. Frank discussion with passion on CJAD 800. Metro Linda Hammerschmidt in studio to answer your family law questions. Piano lessons. (laughs) This person wants to know, is it a luxury and not a necessity? What they say isn't piano lessons a luxury and not a necessity. Well, who determines what are necessities and what are luxuries? Normally speaking, the parents, failing which a judge, if you can't uh, get your acts together, uh, piano lessons, if the child is interested in taking piano lessons, 
Uh, it's not a luxury necessarily. If you can't put food on the table, yes, it's yes, a luxury. It is, right. If uh, your, your child's name is Mozart, it's not a luxury because you have a prodigy there and you should be fostering all of that. It would be the same thing as if it was a sports that the, the child ends up competing in the Olympics, but you mm-hmm. had to start somewhere else. It's not a luxury if you can actually afford it just because you don't want to pay for it doesn't make it a non-luck. It doesn't make it, oh, it's a luxury, right. you know, extravagant expenses or whatever it's for the development of your child which supposedly every parent should want right right Right. So it could be horseback riding uh, lessons, and uh, that's much more expensive than getting a freaking piano uh, mm-hmm, lesson mm-hmm. here and there. Uh, you know, I took guitar lessons until I dropped it and cracked the thing. That really made my parents <laughs> happy. But anyway, but anyway, I was no good, so it didn't really matter. It was probably Providence that I dropped the damn thing during the, how many times can you play, oh, Susanna, whatever. Anyway, it was not my forte to become a, thing the next a Arlo Guthrie yeah, right. or whatever. <laughs> Uh, but I did go to horse camp, <laughs> and I considered and that's that, expensive. Yeah, well, it's not as bad as some clients I've had whose children have horses yeah, themselves, right. and that requires that's the boarding lu- that and the a luxury? Oh, That's a luxury. But then, normally speaking, people who buy horses, it's because they can afford to buy right. horses. Of course. Uh, this, think of all the free manure you get. Yeah, great. <laughs> this question, <laughs> when an ex- cannot afford to pay you alimony. Can you collect in the future the amount that they never paid? Okay. If you have a judgment that says he's supposed to pay, take a round number, a thousand bucks a month, $12,000 a year, and you have that judgment and it says that, but he's not paying, first of all, supposedly the preceptor should go uh, and be collecting it for you because that's the lovely system with which the Quebec government years ago decided to put us in. But a judgment is good for 10 years. Okay. So as long as you have that judgment and your 10 years hasn't blown up, you know, and he finally gets something, you can seize it. What if uh, at the what if you divorce and they don't have any money? So the judgment, there's no alimony to be paid. But then five years down the line, they start making a lot of money. Well, they- that's possible, but it doesn't necessarily mean that the spouse at the time, the now the divorced spouse, is going to be able to claim anything that's, because I think what they're it asking. had nothing to do with the marriage uh, before. You know, if somebody right. was unemployed and then, and then five years they recycle themselves and then they become employed. Now, if you have children, that's something else. Okay. If the person ends up be getting a job five years down the road and hasn't been able to pay uh, but 25 bucks a month for child support but now is a millionaire, you're going to get child support and you're going to get a good amount of it. Okay? But spousal support is something else. So uh, basically it's geared to the breakdown of the marriage, the disadvantages or the advantages uh, as a result of the breakdown of the marriage are the factors that a court will look at in order to decide whether you have support or not. And uh, you can, if the person's not earning any money at the time and you're getting divorced, ask for a judge to put in the ruling, uh, please reserve my right to claim alimony from the schmuck. Later. Yeah. Okay, so you can you can, you can ask. Have that. Doesn't you can mean ask. the judge going to rule it, but right. you know you can ask. Okay, because there was one bizarre judgment decades ago. I won't say the judge's name, but um, <laughs> that ruled that somebody came back to ask for alimony because and they hadn't had any alimony before. And he says, "Well, you can't modify nothing." Right. <laughs> <laughs> 
So they like had if you nothing. had $10 a month, you could ask for, you know, $1,000 now because you could modify right. but that But if you 10. got zero. Yeah, then you couldn't get anything. I, I don't agree with that necessarily. But again, it's all dependent on the circumstances of your own particular life and marriage and divorce. And the judge you get. Uh, that too. And it's all, that's what I've learned from you more than anything. Oh doesn't God. matter how great you yeah, think your case yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't and matter. Whatever the, that judge in front of you decides is what ends up happening. And it can be so frustrating. Yeah. It doesn't even matter how great a lawyer you have, it seems. like You could have the best case in the world and and lose like crazy, and you can have the worst case in the world, and the judge likes you, and, you know, whatever. I had a guy give me, give my client once something, whatever, because he liked the brooch I was wearing. No. Yeah. (laughs) Whatever works for me, I don't care. Oh, my goodness. It was a rhinestone butterfly. (laughs) I sparkled in the lights. Yeah, I think that's just... Uh, this, it's I called there was you, it's a way. called human nature. Yeah, I just you know what you want to spew it into a complete com- computer, a computer program like the SAQ, where if you lose your finger in a traffic accident, then it's you get dollar twenty five. If you can't walk, and so on and so forth. Yeah, no. that would be the only other option, really. Yeah, but it's not fair either. But it's not fair either. Yeah. Oh man, you know how you can solve that problem, though, people. Take care of yourselves at all times, no matter what the hell you're doing in a relationship. Right. Because you born alone, you die alone, and in the middle, you take care of yourself. And, and, and if you're how- able to combine something with somebody else during a certain part of your life, that's great. But keep your own stuff and save money and don't spend it on garbage. <laughs> because all you'll do later is have to declutter it or all those people inheriting all the garbage will have to declutter it. And it's never worth what you thought it was. And you don't need that 12th mug that says world's greatest oh, whatever. You know, and there you have her little rant. What? What's a show with Linda without her rants? Yes, but you know, it, it, <laughs> can, people, I, can I talk about penises money, now? Do you know how? Absolutely. Can I play with one? But anyway, you just don't know how much you're spending because people don't bother to write down in a budget. And if they saw it. Keep track of everything, those those lattes and whatever. Yeah, you're you can right. be a millionaire if you start at twenty and cut out the lattes, but put the money that you would have paid for the lattes yeah. in a bank account. Okay, but you're not here as a No, that's the, part of it because you have to teach people who are getting divorced how to reestablish economic auto sufficiency. Yeah, that's true too. So thank that's you, true. but you were wrong. Okay, I'll I'll take that. Judge and, Lori. And then move on. Yeah, I can be the judge on my show. Yeah, thank yeah, you very yeah. much. Thank you very You're much. You're out of order. I uh, yeah. <laughs> Don't play judgy with me. Uh, I, I want to circle back now, and yeah. I don't even know if I want to ask you your opinion on this, but to the uh, the person who wrote in uh, talking about uh, that, you know, most women find uh, uncircumcised penises. I don't know what he said, what his words Smelly? were exactly. Disgusting or... Oh, he said uh, that? Yeah, that they would. He said that most women talk this way; that oh. they're disgusting and gross, and would never even touch one. So I wanted Who the to. The hell is he hanging around I, with? I don't know. That's what I'm saying. I want to circle back, and and I wanted my listeners. So I got a, f- a few texts that I want to share. So so far, everybody said no. They're they're very similar as long as somebody takes care and, and washes. Obviously, uh, then this person says I've seen a lot of penises. I was as I was <laughs> in sex work. 
And I can say uncircumcised ones have 100% been more unhygienic and overall unpleasant. This experience is also true for every girl I have ever spoken to about it. So I'm thinking these are guys that go to sex workers. I was just they may say not that. care about being hygienic. That's not the for, problem. Yeah, they're paying somebody. They don't. They don't care. They're yeah. not there for you. <laughs> right. Exactly. They're not there to to impress the person or to please you or any of that of that thing. Then I got another text that says, I would like to offer the perspective from a gay man regarding circumcision. I am circumcised and prefer the same, although I do make exceptions if the other guy takes care of his hygiene. I have suffered too many traumas in the past. There is a certain group in the gay community who appreciate man smells, including I have politely ended dates with guys who are into that as I simply gag at the thought. I didn't know that that was a thing, but I guess it's like a, a kind of a fetish. A fetish, I suppose. Yeah. So we'll end on uh, we'll end on on, on that on fetish that, on that penis question. <laughs> yeah, which is interesting. I think I need therapy now. Yeah, I'm traumatized. I, I know. I, uh, Linda, if people want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? They can call the office five one four eight four six ten thirteen. Wonderful. Thank you so much. See you on the 30th of May. We'll see you on the 30th of May. And uh, you can follow uh, Linda on. on Facebook, too, right? As long as you're not stalking me, I'm yeah, fine. You're fine, exactly. <laughs> or else watch it. Uh, thank you so much for your questions and for listening to us and for spending your precious time with us. Thanks to our technical producer, Dave Simon. Uh, you can connect with me on social media at Dr. Lori Batito or through my website, drlori.com. Coming up next here on CJD, we bring you the CTV National News. All the news you need right here. Have a great rest of the evening, and remember to live your life with passion.